The short game is listener-supported on Patreon. If you'd like to support the show and join us on our Discord, head to theshortgame.net or patreon.com slash theshortgame. Welcome back to The Short Game. This is a show about short video games, games that respect your time. I'm Reagan Kelly, and I am joined by two very cool co-hosts. Laura Nash. Nate Heininger. And this week, we are talking about Metroid Fusion by patron demand, or at least by winning poll entry. I say demand is a strong word when we asked. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, listeners, uh, we've been doing a little bit more with our Patreon recently, uh, including uh, early access to episodes, uh, and sometimes as much as a week early. So, hey, if you haven't supported Ooh. us on Patreon, wow. uh, then you can do that and get uh, episodes at least a day early and sometimes much more. Um, and we're also starting to do more uh, things like what we did for this episode. I had a backlog of things that we could potentially do on the show. I kind of keep a, a list running. Um, and we were trying to prioritize, so I put up a big poll and uh, asked for uh, the listeners to vote on what they thought we should cover. And there are about eight or ten games, almost all of them relatively new, like within the last year or so, indie games. And yet you all said... We don't care about new games. <laughs> we want you to cover a Game Boy Advance game. A almost in, an almost inaccessible game from 2003. 2002. So, like, literally uh, <laughs> 20 years old. I was going to say, I was like, Reagan and I might have been dating in 2002. <laughs> oh That's how God. old this game is. <laughs> well, there's some podcast lore that I don't think has ever been shared on this show. So that's oh man, it's come up. I'm sure it's I'm sure it's come up at some point. That's uh, listeners. That, that, that is ancient history. That's really old. <laughs> uh, to clarify, we're married to very different people. Yeah. Yes, we are married For to good different reasons. people. Um, so no, let's yeah. hash this out. Why? Why? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm going to really air my grievances from 2002. Yeah, well, <laughs> sure, I, guys. This is the podcast ending episode, the last episode of the yeah. short. Game. But we could have been spending our time instead playing mm-hmm. Metroid Fusion. <laughs> yeah, well, we couldn't have. I didn't have a GBA yet. I didn't get one until a little bit later. But um, and I don't think I played this game in its era at all. Although I did buy, I, I have a lot of GBA games, so I've definitely had this game for a while. But this is my first time actually beating it um this is so it came out in 2002 so this is the second to last metroid game made by the original metroid design group uh that's uh, rnd1 um sort of if you're if you're a if you're a, a nintendo nerd there's some very interesting sort of uh org chart stuff about how nintendo used to do things um but the short version is that they had a sort of a main internal development team that handled things like the mario games um and you know was headed by um uh, Miyamoto and you know a bunch of other folks, but then they had this other team uh, back in this era uh, that was called R and D One Research and Development One that did a bunch of other stuff. And sort of the main thing uh, that I think they're known for, they were headed by Gunpo- Gunpei Yokoi, who invented the Game Boy, the D Pad, like all sorts of you know important stuff for Nintendo, but also the Metroid series. I mean, I don't think uh, Gunpei Yokoi was directly responsible for Metroid, but it was his his sort of organization within uh, within Nintendo. Um, and R and D one stopped existing a couple of years after this. They kind of merged and did a reorg. Um, and uh, so this was the second to last Metroid done by the original Metroid Development Group. 
Um, and it's also Metroid 4. So if you play, you know, if you look back at the history of Metroid, uh, unlike most Nintendo stuff, they have a very specific timeline. And so there was the original Metroid for the NES or Famicom. There was Metroid 2, which takes place, you know, chronologically second in in uh, the Samus Aran story. By the way, I am not a metroid lore guy so i'm gonna be skimming over really literally everything and if you are really not a metroid person and never played it Mm. and you're trying to place which one this is metroid are the games that when we say metroidvania we mean games that are platformers you can go back and re-imagine re-explore the world you get new powers and it's aliens basically Yeah, and ball bombs. Yeah, <laughs> so many wall you, bombs. You may continue on the lore just to, just to orient the total newbies. Yeah, absolutely, and you know, worth talking about because obviously, like the reason that Metroid continues to be relevant is that this is a series that spawned an entire genre, and not many series can can get to say that. And you can understand who that shooter person is in uh, the Mario Party battles. Yeah, yeah, or the Smash Bros and everything. So. Um, yeah, so the the series, uh, this is the fourth Metroid game. So it can't, it's the chronological sequel to Super Metroid on the SNES. But there was an eight-year gap between Super Metroid and this. A really, really long time. And, you know, in any normal setup, you'd probably expect them to do some kind of a reboot or reimagining. But, you know, this is just picks up directly where Super Metroid left off. This is the next Metroid game after that. And sort of especially relevant right now, um, because while after this point, the numbering on Metroid games gets really confusing and hard to follow. There's the sort of offshoot Prime series that, if I understand correctly, are sort of prequels to these. And there's that weird 3DS thing that was like uh, like Federation soldiers or whatever that reviewed so poorly. And I actually don't know. Is Metroid Other M that takes place in the timeline somewhere? It's word salad. It is. Don't worry about it. It is. But, um, But this game is having what I think is a direct sequel coming out very soon, which is partly why I put it on that poll. Uh, Metroid Dread is coming out for the Nintendo Switch later this year. And from everything I've seen, uh, it is very much drawing on this game and is the first new non-remake of anything else 2D Metroid game since this one in 2002. Um, So that's partly why we decided to cover it, partly also just because it sounds like folks were interested in uh, talking about it because, hey, uh, you know, it's on the poll. People wanted to talk about it. Yeah, and it fits right into what we're what we talk about on this show. I mean, you know, the game's twenty years old, and I feel like a lot of games in this era was really when people were starting to lean into like long equals good, mm-hmm. you know, and that was really when this was starting to expand and expand and expand. Long equals good, and this game, not super long, fits right in our wheelhouse. I think Reagan. You said it probably took you about seven hours to beat. I think, you know, your results mm-hmm. may vary. This game has some things that are difficult about it. I think mostly because of our uh, comfort with modern game design versus how they designed games in 2002. And they're like real willingness to uh, obscure and hide where you're supposed to go <laughs> next. Uh, unlike I think any game would do nowadays, but uh you know, it, it's a it's a really tight experience, and um, yeah. I, I I wasn't on the last Metroid episode, but I did play it, and like they were really getting to a form here that like 
allows for the exploration, but at least you kind of have a general idea of where you're supposed to go next, which is nice, even if you don't exactly know how to get there, uh, yeah. which is where this game gets a little complicated at times. Yeah, this game has a sort of a, a complicated reputation within the Metroid fandom, and I am not speaking for the Metroid fandom necessarily because I'm not really that big of a Metroid fan. It's not that I dislike the games. They're pretty good from what I've played, but I'm not like, you know, deeply invested in the Metroid series. I love Metroidvanias, but this isn't sort of my area of strength. But part of what I was expecting and hoping for with this game and mostly got we'll talk about comparing this with the super metroid a little bit later but uh, what i was kind of hoping for was something that kept the uh the fun and the sort of you know what i think is really enjoyable sort of retro style uh and approach of the original you know super metroid but also had a little bit more of that sort of uh you know gamecube era like a new approach to game design. So like this game, I, you know, I was hoping for something that had, that had a little bit more quality of life stuff, a little bit more, uh, you know, uh, uh, willingness to sort of meet the players where they are um, and not require, you know, guides and, and, uh, and hints and stuff so much. <laughs> yeah, but does it? <laughs> well, when I came into this, I, I had, two thoughts of what I wanted out of this game. One, I, I didn't know anything about the plot. What I said, Metroid Fusion, I hope there's something fun there. Uh, but mostly I hoped they didn't mess with the beautiful, crazy big jump. Um, I love how how like, mm. stupidly large the jump is. I was like, yeah. please don't touch that jump. That is my favorite thing about the game. And I was like, number two, I hope that I am not going to get lost as badly because the little tiny map in the corner was not my friend. I got some of what I wanted. They didn't touch the, did not touch that jump. The yeah, tiny map. That's was a back. funny point. Yeah. You know, the, like from the same company that basically like perfected the platformer jump and every game is either like, everyone's just trying to be the Mario jump, right? That same satisfaction. Uh, the Metroid is like the complete, like, Fuck off. You can jump like to the sky every it's time. It's wonderful. <laughs> every time you flip, you jump eight times your body height. I'm just Yeah, like, and do a cool somersault every single time. I love it. Yeah. yeah and, and it goes And this game does have a lot of very, you know, the, the way that it plays is very similar to Super Metroid. Um before we get into talking about um the like the comparison between this and Super Metroid, um it's probably worth talking very briefly about how we played the game and how you can play the game. Mm-hmm. I feel like I should have said this before you just spoke for 15 minutes about the history of this game, but I think it's time for our brand new segment that I have just come up with and decided this. Now it's time listeners for Reagan's rarities and retro roundup, where he's going to teach us how to play retro games. Can we get like a fun little, <laughs> like, like a little, little chip tune? Can we get a now blend? You're me sound like an asshole. Can we get a blend of the crowd going wild and like a like a little chip tune no. thing, like all oh. at the no, same we, time? We are teasing because we both just turned to Reagan when this was announced and said, "Okay, tell us how to play this game." Well, and also <laughs> in Reagan's background right now is like a stack of CRTs. So, mm-hmm. so this is this was built. For Reagan, Reagan put this on the list, I think, just so he could bust out his, like, combination of old retro stuff and play this game. But for the rest Uh, of us who don't have this, 
how you know how did we ever how did everyone play this game this as far as i can tell this game is pretty inaccessible for how big yeah. how big the uh the franchise is right i would have expected an ability to play this game like why isn't this on the switch <laughs> i yeah. know okay this is one of the things that like boggles my mind about the way that that nintendo is continuing to do business today and you know i'm sure they've got their reasons but like uh this is a huge game the very very important game from a very important series that you know that Nintendo continues to make a huge deal about constantly that has a very important direct sequel coming out and they they really have no uh real way to play this game legitimately so technically right now your only options if you want to play this game totally legit um which you know I don't blame you if you do that's great if you do honestly um and, but Nintendo's offer for you would be either go out and get yourself a real Game Boy Advance and the cartridge. And this cartridge has been shooting up in price lately um, because of the pandemic and just sort of general just like everything. madness around retro everything game collecting. Did you see the, right the one like I, I think it's like some sort of weird scam thing, but the the one point five million dollar sealed mario 64 it's gotta be a scam it's some sort of tax evasion is my thought but like it's uh yeah like mario 64 just sold for 1.5 million dollars in a sealed copy so everything is going insane right now yeah a completely ludicrous situation Uh, cart only copies of this it seems like right now on ebay the going rate is about 70 to 80 dollars or maybe 85 I'm seeing some here. And um, then if you want like a boxed copy, even like a non-sealed boxed copy, we're talking about like 250 bucks sort of. And that's nuts. That's just completely uh, bad. Um, So that's one option (laughs) if you want. And then the other option is you have to have a Wii U because this game is available on the Wii U eShop. But they never brought that service, which honestly was decent. The like Wii U eShop service for downloading GBA games, they never brought that forward to the Switch. So if you don't still have your Wii, Wii U hooked up and ready to play, then screw you. Nintendo has no interest in you checking out this important game in the series. You can download Metroid and Super Metroid on your Switch, but the important connective tissue to then carry you forward to Metroid Dread coming out later this year is completely absent. Well, that said, shout out to Psychofish on the Discord who is playing on the Wii U. Yes, yes. We salute you. <laughs> yes. Got a free Wii U and has been playing it. It's that's such uh, I it made that's me commitment. I know. I was sad that I uh you know like basically I actually ha- uh played Breath of the Wild on my Wii U. I didn't have a Switch and I I really enjoyed it. And then I got a Switch and like mailed my Wii U to someone like 3 days later. I was like I'm never I'm never, <laughs> never gonna, going to I'm never going to need this again until this moment where I was sad. Mm-hmm. I I bet though Nintendo if you know they've just announced Dread, it's a direct sequel or seems to be to this game. There's going to be some sort of tie-in. They're going to like you know, do a launch of this game and it's going to be $25 and it's going to be like a loose remaster or something. I, I think, I they, don't know, man. Like I figure if they were going to do like uh like a GBA version of their like uh Nintendo online service, retro game download thing, they would have done it by now. You would think so. But if they're going to do a, a new Metroid game and tie it to the last one, I think I, I'd be surprised if just from like a business standpoint, they didn't like, re-release this as a a standalone game just to rack up some extra sales right before their new 
Metroid you know, that is what out. any normal company would have done. But Nintendo, man, they don't do the That's sorts of things point. you expect. They release the point. OLED Switch with no meaningful changes other than that. <laughs> they, you know, they, 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 they just don't do the thing that you expect. Just give them to me do. Bluetooth. Um, <laughs> so, how did I play this game? I played this on my Mac with a DualShock controller on an emulator. Same, yeah. exactly the same. Yeah, it was beautiful. And it honestly, that's mostly what I did too. I tried a few different things just to sort of try things out, and so not to not to bog things down with a uh, let me tell you about every way to play G- Game Boy Advance. We games, did a whole intro to the section. We, this we are in this the, we for. are in the segment. This is the yeah. roundup, right? Yeah. So um, yeah, so you're probably your best bet is to emulate this game. And first of all, I wouldn't feel all of that preamble about not being able to play this game legit is to say that I wouldn't feel the least bit uh, uh, guilty one wit about doing that because it's so hard not to it's ridiculous there's it's just ridiculous so first of all um if you want to emulate this uh there's a lot of emulators for the gba um my recommended one is mgba which is obviously free like pretty much all emulators are but it's also on a zillion platforms obviously like mac and pc and linux what i did um yeah, which is a really nice, uh, nice emulator. It's pretty good. Um, it's actually also available for things like if you have a 3DS that you have um, uh, modded or, you know, have you like a what do you call that? Like homebrewed. Um, if it's a new 3DS, you can download MGBA for that and run it emulated there. And that's really nice because I, I did that for about half of my playtime here and swapped my saves, including save states between my computer and that. That worked great. It's also on the like Vita. So if you have those, um, that's really nice. Uh, and there's a zillion other ways to play this game. There's great Game Boy Advance flash carts if you want to play on real hardware or if you have like a GameCube with the Game Boy Player. Um, you know, there's uh, real hardware for Game Boy Advance is getting more expensive constantly, but you probably have a Game Boy Advance lying around and Game Boy uh, Advance flashcards are not all that expensive these days. There's some pretty good options. Um, I think the one that is the kind of go-to right now that's relatively cheap is the Easy Flash Omega, I think is is the, the current one. And uh, I think it was something like 40 bucks and you can use it on anything that plays GBA cartridges and it's really nice. Um, add some useful features. Like I think it does save states. Um, so yeah, pretty cool. Anyway, um, it's all, all, all that is to say like Game Boy Advance games have never been more accessible. Uh, and yet they're also extremely inaccessible. Um, you just have to be willing to like play them not on an official Nintendo device or whatever. So um, don't feel guilty about that. Nintendo apparently just wants you to do that or they would be doing something about it. Yeah, I'm not too committed to playing on original hardware, but I'm always happy to play if it's available from the developer Mm -hmm. in some way. You know, I subscribe to the Mm -hmm. Nintendo online to, you know, play the the games that I played from my childhood. I actually never had an advance. I had a a Game Boy Color was the last Game Boy (laughs) I had until uh, the until I got a 3DS like, you know, however long later that was. And I even, I'm like fifth edition 3DS or whatever. So I had a huge gap in my life of Nintendo handhelds. Um, but anyway, like the emulator, you know, if you're having any guilt about even emulating any game from like the nineties and early two thousands, like I, I don't, I, I, I think you can let your, let, let me wash your sins away. Uh, these ga- these, <laughs> we these, all absolve you. This is the podcast where we advise you on committing crimes, and we yeah. all we all believe. No, it. 
to clarify, no. <laughs> just a bit, we, we're okay with some gray areas. <laughs> I, Laura's the Fed on the podcast. Yes, I was, like, I was like, I was like, I like to cop. keep my my clearance level. Yeah, Laura's a cop now, so it's uh, you know not as I, so. I, to clarify, I'm not a cop. <laughs> yes, she's not technically a cop. Not technically um, a cop. No. Um. So let's get into talking about this game. Um. I, this is the most story-heavy Metroid game I've ever played, certainly, and so it actually helps a little bit, or maybe not helps, but like it's probably necessary to talk a little bit about story, and that also kind of lets us ramp in from Super Metroid and, and other places. <laughs> it's too, so. it's uh, I, I was not expecting a like seven-minute intro cutscene with like little graphics and an like, unskippable uh, <laughs> intro cutscene which yeah. let me tell you if you spend a while trying to decide oh do i want to play this on my on my pc or on my uh on my phone or on my uh 3ds and you have to play watch through that intro cutscene about four or five times you get real tired <laughs> you, <of it. laughs> you see the same crap like from multiple different perspectives you know you get a lot of backstory i mm-hmm. it's very funny and not only is it an unskippable cutscene, but it is one that the in media res is such that you are confused if you were <laughs> yeah. supposed to have immediately played the previous game minutes before. I I still all the way through this game. I didn't beat uh, the Metroid before it, and this game certainly feels like it assumes you are deeply knowledgeable about Metroid. Uh, Metroid characters and lore i learned right before we started recording that's actually not the case uh reagan has some funny back oh yeah well we'll we'll get to to adam malkovich in a second but like the there's a so this is i want to acknowledge that like this is something that while it doesn't really do anything for me is something that's beloved about the metroid series is that this is a series of games that you know in in the 80s and early 90s when these first few games were coming out uh, it was very unusual to have a game that was a direct sequel to another game and acknowledged the events of the previous game so like metroid you know has uh samus landing on i'm going to screw up all the names and i'm going to you know what i'm not i'm i'm, I'm going to try not to not to get into specifics because i'm going to screw them up and metroid people are going to hate me you know there's the whole story of Met- of the first metroid the second metroid game takes place immediately afterward where Samus goes to, I believe, the homeworld of the Metroids, and um, there's that whole scene at the end where she is, you know, follow the the little baby Metroid follows her out, and then you see that in the intro cutscene to Metroid Three Super Metroid, and this these are games that like on the title screens, like Super Metroid doesn't just say title screen. You boot that game up, and then it says Metroid Three, right? Like this is a series of games that part of the reason that some people really love these games is that at a time when games weren't doing direct sequels with events taking place sequentially after each other, um, this felt really fresh in that way. It felt like, you know, a sequel that was continuing a story of an interesting character. And this game does that. So it picks up with a, an intro cutscene that shows scenes from the previous Metroid games and does a little bit of a recap, even though I don't think it's actually all that, that good of a recap um, and tells you <laughs> well, what's going on. Well, it's very referential. They mention things like, once again, I owe the Metroid hatchling my life twice mm-hmm. over, that kind of thing. So they're they're constantly making references to previous escapades, which if it's been – I have played Super Metroid now, but I think I just have completely lost track of time and all memory because I was trying to remember. I was like, right, 
I think that was the ending of the game I played. Pretty sure. I don't think that's on you. I think it's the game. I think it tries to both condense and give you a ton of information at the same time. Yeah. About like what previously happened and where it's at right I don't, now. I don't think it's the greatest plot summary, but just for the, for the sense of context, I'm going to just read you guys the text from the back of the box. So if you bought this game in 2002, you know, you walked into GameStop or whatever, you picked up the box and you turned it over, it will tell you where this takes place in the story and, somewhat. So. And Reagan is holding his uh, unopened copy of <laughs> Metroid. Fusion. I am actually not. Let me tell you. Um, <laughs> I do have a I do have a real cart for this, but I and apparently it's worth seventy five dollars. <laughs> but um, I do not have a box copy. Uh, Samus Aran returns in an all new Metroid adventure. Well, while leading mission support on planet SR three eighty eight, interstellar bounty hunter Samus Aran is attacked by an X parasite, an organism with the ability to mimic the abilities of any creature it infects. Near death, Samus is saved by a vaccine made from the DNA of the last Metroid, the X-Parasite's only natural predator. When the X spread to a research station in orbit around SR-388, a weakened Samus is forced to exterminate them all or die trying. And then there's some bullet points about what you'll expect to see in the game. So... That's the setup, and that's actually mostly stuff that happens in between Super Metroid and this game, um, but is all sort of told to you in that initial cutscene. Um, the the stuff that is sort of interesting to me about this from a story perspective is that it does a more in-depth job of explaining why Samus is so depowered. You know, the, one of the problems mm-hmm. with, with the Metroid games in general is that you always have to sort of... They have to come up with a justification for Samus to have none of her cool powers and then for you to gain them again as the game goes on. And why, you know, if she if she just took off all of her cool armor attachments, why doesn't she go back to her ship to get them? Why are they buried in the ground on an alien planet? That kind of thing. This game's yeah. solution for that is, I think, pretty clever. So, you know, she has had all of her armor surgically removed after she was infected by a weird parasite. Um, and, uh, the, the removed armor has been brought to this research facility that she's on as well as, um, you know, this is just a bunch of other random crap in this, this research facility. She's depowered because her armor was fused to her body in this weird kind of body horror way. And then mostly, but not entirely surgically removed. And she's lost most of her powers and she has to slowly regain them by both finding data rooms around the place where she can get upgrades and also absorbing X parasites that have apparently kind of got her powers in them somehow. It, it is definitely, uh, there's a little bit of body horror in this beginning opening cutscene, And also looking at this game from a modern lens, I have to say, I truly appreciate Samus's willingness to take a brand new vaccine. It was. Real- <laughs> they keep they keep saying the vaccine the, saved my life. The vaccine. During this long cutscene, they're like, "Man, everyone should have this vaccine." Everyone Do needs this. this. Yeah, <laughs> Moderna. But it took the only only dose. Yeah. Um, I I also really appreciate that how simple this setup is because she is depowered because the suit had organic material in it and it was infected. So the suit has been infected and brought to the ship, which also then is a wonderful danger in the lab, right? Because now the ship, you know, now the suit is down there and implied and then later revealed to be causing problems that I don't think is a spoiler, but, you know, 
No, it's not uh, a spoiler. It's definitely on the back of the box. It's on so the back of the box. That's the, the, the big antagonist for this game is SAX, which Sax. Yeah, which we should just call Sax. <laughs> no, I, I was trying to say Saux, like Saux, because it's, it's Sa hyphen Because there's Samus, so I think they were going for like Saux. Like a Samus, Sa -X. yeah, Samus, Samus X. X, yeah. Sa -X. So the X Parasite is—it's uh, sort of special ability. You know, the, the Metroids from the previous games, their whole thing was uh, like absorbing energy, right? But the uh, the X is a similar weird floating creature that has the ability to not just absorb energy, but it also can mimic creatures. So it can absorb their knowledge, it can mim mimic their bodies, and so throughout this whole uh, whole game, you are fighting various different alien creatures, many of which have been corrupted by the X. So some familiar bosses from previous games, like, uh, for example, Ridley is back. God, cool. Uh, but now R Ridley has been turned into an absolute freaking horror show, which we may talk about some of the bosses in a minute. That was easily my favorite. Um, so, uh, and of course, there's, there's you. And the coolest thing about this game, the thing that makes it a horror game, is this sort of creeping presence of the SAX. Uh, the game is constantly telling you that SAX is stalking you throughout the facility. You don't always see them, but sometimes you hear them. Uh, and there are many times where you have to hide and SAX, which is basically representing Samus at the, the peak of her powers with all of her upgrades from the previous game, while you have almost none, will just sort of walk through slowly looking for you. And there's a few like close-up shots of SAX where it just appears to be Samus in her classic orange armor with totally white eyes. It's a very creepy yeah. image. Green face. It's yeah. I, it's glorious. It was it's probably my favorite part about this. And I I love the, you know, your you are the biggest danger to yourself that mm. type horror. I think it works very well. Yeah, I think it's also just really hard to make anything feel eerie and spooky with the design restraints that you have at this time. And they accomplish it between the sound and the and the tone setting and the and all of that. Like it it is a little spooky. I was surprised. If you Google the name of this game, the first question is, is Metroid Fusion scary? <laughs> and when you click on the article that it's about horror in Metroid, the, the opening paragraph is specifically about the first time that SAX is revealed. It, you know. Yeah, I, I don't really tend to seek out scary things or spooky things. That's not the genre I like. I know that at least Reagan, I know you're a huge fan. I think you are as well, Laura. Like, that is not a genre that I... I'm really into uh, it mostly like I have a hard time with the suspension of disbelief for it. And I was like, so for sure this game, which is all, you know, cartoony colors and, and, you know, 20 years old. I'm like, there's no way I'm going to feel any degree of like dread from a game like this. Uh, when a game like, you know, we've done spooky games on this show before and those I like struggle to be spooked by. 
I was kind of spooked, not like yeah. heavily spooked, yeah, it, it, but like it's more not, yeah, than it's, a, you're not going to be like officially like actually scared by no. a game on the Game Boy Advance where you have to like get stand in bright sunlight to see the screen at all. But but like it does do a good job of like using horror yeah. stuff to build tension. And that's really all you need is like it, it has yeah. it has a, a really unique tension to it that occasionally makes, you know, really brings like these moments to be like really, really engaging stuff. You know what really helps? reduce the tension though save states <laughs> uh yes yes yeah. that's the other benefit to playing in an emulator is click a little button and cheese in your way through some yep. of these uh tough bust fights there are some really yep. really tough bits i didn't you know i um this is not a flex i didn't use save states all that much in this um a big thing that i noticed about this and we can talk about the differences between this and super metroid in a second but like the uh one of the biggest differences is that save points are everywhere so like this has you know you can't go like within the first 10 minutes of this game i found three save points uh that's really different from super metroid where they were really spread apart um and and often really hidden so like i didn't find i had to use the save states all that much whereas like when i was playing through super metroid i actually did use them just for the sort of like I need a save point. I need to turn this off. And so I'd use those save states here. I really only use them in a few instances where the bosses got truly unreasonable and I needed a little bit of a sort of release valve. Um, there are, we'll talk about the bosses too. Some of them really are just, just unreasonable. And I'm not a huge fan of the boss design in the Metroid series. Generally, this is a, you know, a good example of all of the issues that I have with it. I mean, in general, the map is much friendlier. There's a lot yeah. more things labeled. The doors and what you need to open them are much clearer. There's just a lot more information when you get to see a map. You can see the save states. You can see the recharge points. You can see download spots, navigation spots. It's just all on the map. And mm. I remember the map being, yeah. Very bare bones. Yeah, in the in the in Super Metroid, uh, while it had a map that would color in rooms as you explored them, it didn't show you how the rooms connected. They were all just boxes. You couldn't even see mm-hmm. doors on the map. So you could see like, oh, I want to get to that room, and you go go to the room that's next to it, and there's no way through. Um, like, there's a lot of little stuff like that that this game did that really improves in my opinion on the design of Super Metroid. Yeah. Just the usability stuff, lots more save points and better map. Yeah, I agree. It was it was very it, the iconography of the map was way better. That yeah. said, there's a ton of secrets. You know, it's not gonna mm-hmm. like it shows you where the existing doors are, the like manufactured doors. But there's a lot of walls that look identical to other walls that if you bomb, some will blow up and some will not. Or at least mm-hmm. I could not tell the difference between some of them that were. Uh, breakable and others that were not. Uh, Metroid yeah. really likes you making your own doors sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And yeah sometimes there, I disagree with the game. <laughs> I found myself just like, all right, I'm in a new room. Guess I'm going to shoot every wall and, and drop a little ball bomb on every single spot because you never know when this might actually be the key to progressing into the next area uh, because it's it's a little obscure sometimes. Yeah, I, I will say that like most of the time, as you're you're right. You're right. Now, there are some places where the like the path forward. There is in many cases, there's several paths forward, and at least one of them is pretty well telegraphed. But um, there are also a few times where there is one path forward and not all that obvious. Um, yeah. So you know, it has that flaw, and honestly, it's like 
it's carrying that forward as sort of a series tradition. Um, yeah. And I get it. Like, it's also like you with, with the limited scope, the limited like ability of, of what they're working with, like you need to make a challenge. And if you want navigation to be part of your game and like exploration to be a part of your game, like not everything has to be telegraphed or like, you know, every wall that's breakable doesn't need to have a big crack through it or whatever. I just found myself like definitely multiple times being like, I'm, I'm stuck because, you know, I've entered into an area that the way I came in from, I can't go out. So I know I, I have to move through this area, but I've been into every room five times and I cannot find the way out. And then it turns mm-hmm. out to be like, yeah, I just needed to bomb this corner that looks like every other corner. And that is the thing that blows up and lets me get through. You know, and I think they want that. They want you to like basically just bomb every corner and every wall and find your way in and out. And that's where it felt like, yeah, this game is 20 years old. Like they had to create some friction on exploration. And that was kind of their best way to create that exploration friction. Yeah. And, you know, when that's working well, there can be some really fun discovery moments yeah. there. You know, th- yeah. th- the game does try to hint at you sometimes about these hidden paths forward. You know, there might be like you can see a room on the map, but you don't see how it connects or right. uh, or, you know, there's a you know, there's a room in one place where it looks like, you know, you, like you've seen uh, a certain type of wall destroyed in one area of the map and then you see a similar wall that hasn't been destroyed and you know you you can gather that maybe this is something i can affect Um, but sometimes it's not very obvious at all and if you're frustrated uh it's it's you know it's small comfort that like they're doing this to pad out a five-hour game into a (laughs) seven-hour game or something Mm -hmm. like that yeah um so i want to talk a little bit about this the big structure change between this game and super metroid and super metroid really uh it it has one large continuous world it's divided into zones but those zones connect with each other in many places and um the sort of overall structure of the game mostly involves you know when you find an upgrade very often the path forward will be behind you you need to then remember like oh i've now got a new kind of bombs for example that can destroy certain types of walls and i remember seeing those types of walls before or now i can jump higher uh or i can do some other you know uh, upgrade and I now need to remember like okay maybe I go back to a place I was in previously and use that to access new areas or new secrets that I couldn't access before and that does happen here but this game takes a much much more linear approach so um, and this is probably the number one complaint that series diehards have about Super Metroid or sorry Metroid Fusion um, and I sort of share that complaint somewhat but if you're looking for a game that is short, this is in some ways a benefit. Um, the, the way this game mostly works, it all takes place on the space station. I've forgotten, like BSL or something like that. I forget what it's, it's an acronym. Um, and the space station has a sort of central hub. And then coming down from that hub, it has six sort of research laboratory environments. This is a breeding station for aliens, right? They they uh, they use this to research alien life. And so it's each of its six sort of big tube-shaped zones is a uh, an environment designed to host different types of aliens from different planets. This is cool because it lets the game have, you know, have one, inv- one sort of location, but still have different 
environments and a lot of variety. So you've got like the underwater zone and you've got the, the zone that's super hot and fiery, etc. Each of those, it's sort of like its own little miniature uh, Metroid map. And so each of them has a usually a single point where you can come into that area. At the start of each and every one of them, there's a save point, there's a recharge point, and there's a map room where you can, a uh, navigation room where you can talk to your robot minder, who we'll talk about in a second. Um, so mm-hmm. every single one of them starts the same way, and they say, okay, you know, the, the robot tells you, okay, go into the map and do something. Turn on the you know, environment you know, generators or go find the data room or whatever it is. Um, and he'll mark a place on the map for you and reveals not the entire map, but the sort of habitable normal area of the map for you. Um, and so there's no exploring and finding map rooms. There's no, um, n- you know, just sort of exploring randomly until you find something. You always know like, okay, here on the map is where I need to go. Um, you may not know how to get there exactly, and you may have to do some exploring in order to find paths forward, especially as SAX starts destroying what seems like the normal path forward, and you have to find more secret paths to get around this destru- destruction. But uh, it's always basically that is, you know, this this structure of like, Samus, you are in section six of the of the space station. Proceed to this dot on the map, retrieve the thing, and come back to the map room. Well, hold on. It's more like... Samus, you're a weak little piece of shit. You need to go to. <laughs> you have ten <10% laughs> percent yeah, energy get, and are going to die. You're gonna get your ass kicked if you try to uh, go after them now. So we need you to go here to get this data to make your <laughs> missiles better. If you see SAX, run away real fast. Just, just <laughs> run. Just get out of there. The 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 your computer friend is uh, not a big believer in uh powered down Samus. I mean, rightfully Congratulations. so. You, know. you now have 40% chance of survival. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, God, I need a friend right yeah. now. And here's the thing. Honestly, this structure is fine. This is a perfectly reasonable yeah. structure it's for good. a game like this. Yeah. And, uh, and I kind of like the, 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 the game is sort of, uh, divided up into these little uh, like self-contained zones, each of which feels like a little mini game on its own. Um, if you are a series diehard or you are expecting this game to be an absolute echo of the structure of Super Metroid, you will be disappointed. And many people were. Um, but I still think that it holds up in it as its own thing. Um, I do hope that with Metroid Dread or, you know, other future uh, Metroid 2D games that I hope they start making on a better clip than they have been over the last two decades. Uh, I, I do hope they look more to the Super Metroid mold. And, you know, even if they're not, the world of indie games has looked to the Super Metroid mold. There are many, 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 many games following in its footsteps. This is a different approach, and it's still fun. I, I thought it was a real. I think it's a decent structure. Yeah, I think like um, you know, we all have played Hollow Knight, you know, in the in the last mm-hmm. two years or so, and it's probably one of my favorite games of all time. And I think it's somewhere in between the two, right? It's like everything in the game is pointing you to go to one area. But you can go to different areas if you want to, you know, mm-hmm. whereas this game is like you should go. You can only go to this area, right? If you yeah. try to go off, you open the door and there's just fire. Yeah, it's literally. <laughs> and if you go in there, you will die. It's too cold in here, you, Samus. You open it. It's just sub-zero you, temperatures. You weak and you're like, guess I shouldn't have turned left. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Don't go in there. 
You're too Sarah, weak. Like, if you encounter SAX, she will hit you with an ice missile and you will die in extraordinary pain. You will die now. <laughs> to clarify, it's not Navi. This is not a floating voice. It's not that just... much better, though. It's, it's, it's not you... that much better. Yeah. So we'll, let's talk about the, the robot, which is, I forget what they even call the robot. I was calling him Adam by the end because it very Im- immediately in the game. Oh, so, okay. Explaining Her from CEO. the story concept. Yeah. The, um, when they send Samus here, Samus's, uh, iconic ship from Super Metroid was destroyed in the cutscene at the beginning of the game. And so the Federation, uh, you know, Metroid lore, Metroid lore has, uh, has given you a new ship and it's very similar, but this time it's purple and has a robot in it. And, um, so this like robot CO is there to command you to do stuff. And so you can only talk to your robot boss while you're in one of the navigation rooms around the, uh, the, um, the map that kind of reset, you know, kind of replace the, uh, the map rooms. She says that computer reminds me of a gruff Federation CO I served under named Adam Malkovich. Again, this is making you think that you forgot who Adam was in a previous game, but you, he's new. <laughs> he called me lady on missions. From anyone else, it would have sounded sarcastic, but Adam made it sound dignified. Out of respect and with some irony, I named the computer after him. And then you're like, I was okay. like, who is this? Who's okay. Adam? I must cool. that must. Why do we I- need to know that? But then. I knew and it, it ties wasn't. into some stuff that happens at the end of the story, but like she's she's so reminded of her old CO by this computer that speaks in the most incredibly boring way, like <laughs> and just negs her constantly. Like I don't know, maybe maybe that's how her CO talked to her anyway. But the, yeah, the thing about then, Adam Malkovich, I immediately thought like, is this a thing I don't remember from Super Metroid? But no, Super Metroid had no text about Adam Malkovich in it. Here's what I think it was happening. And the here. computer doesn't call her lady either, so why no. put the text in about how Adam always called her lady? I mean, I not to not is to get just spoilery, you but it, it happens. Yeah, there's that. But it, it, yeah. it, it that plays into a moment at the end of the game that I won't talk about in t- for spoiler ah. reasons here that I know you didn't quite get to. I did yet, not so. I did not complete, which we will discuss because yeah. I whipped out on a spider boss. It it's um, yeah, there's some really tough ones. We'll talk about that spider boss. But yeah, the um that whole bit, like and her whole relationship with her CO the computer um i don't love it here like you do lose something by having so much talking in these games the the sort of feeling of being alone in a dangerous and terrifying place that super metroid leaned into was not entirely absent here because but it was a different type of fear you're scared of the sax you're not sort of just like in this sort of environmental despair that that super metroid kind of does but yeah, the the Adam thing threw me for a loop too. I w- I immediately went and Googled it because I was like, is this a thing I'm supposed to know about? This game really seems to expect you to know Super Metroid and other, you know, the Metroid series lore. And no, um, Adam Malkovich, this is his first appearance in the game, uh, such as it is. He actually doesn't appear as an actual presence, like a human character, until Other M on the Wii many years later. I think what was happening here was this game came out si- and was developed simultaneously with... Um, Metroid Prime by Rare. Uh, and uh, this, I think it came out on the same day. And so that, I, I think at this time, they were doing a lot of looking back at the Metroid uh, series. And because the the Rare or the um, the Prime games are prequels, I think they were doing a bunch of thinking about like Samus's backstory and the lore of like, well, what was Samus doing before she encountered the Metroids and all of that? Because they were making games about that. And so I guess they just decided to take that, I don't know, lore Bible that they wrote for Rare and fold it in here. 
but I don't think it needed to be here. They could have just had this as a robot if they really wanted a robot. But I also appreciate their willingness to commit to the bit. You know, it is it is a tone setting. Like, there's a lot of elevators in this game, and they use the elevators as an opportunity to drop some lore on you, and you get these, you know, loading cutscenes where the it's just a still image of Samus with text that fills up the entire screen. And, you know, I know it's, if this was a modern game, it'd probably be voiceover, but like all of the writing feels like this, like snake Pliskin, like Mad Max eighties, <laughs> like, you know, someone with nothing left to lose. It's so funny. Like the tone is so strange. I, I took a screenshot too, where like everything is so, over the top dramatic that you, even though you know it's Samus, you want to read it in this like, you know, I'm I'm the last one here on Earth, and I'm the only one. You know, you want to read it. I mean, in you don't know like, how Samus sounds. Maybe she sounds like that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I've been watching a lot of Star Trek and D Space Nine, and I'm just thinking about it in like hollow space noir. Like you yeah. walk down the street, and as you're walking down the street, there's like a person being like, that dame is like. You know, pack it a pistol. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like that's the same voice I was reading this in. Oh, that's, yeah, I was thinking of it more the like, you know, the apocalypse has happened. And, you know, so uh, it, here's here's another. McCarthy's The Road. Yeah, exactly. Oh, so here's a screenshot I took where I was just like, this game is so ridiculous. Because, you know, you're going, you're leaving rooms where you're just, you know, bullet hell firing at little bugs and stuff. And then you get in the elevator and it reads, the SAX, an enemy with my strongest abilities. But does it have reason? Probably not. It's just a killing machine. In my current state, I can't face it head on. The SAX is me, only heartless. I must stop it before it learns its potential and threatens the universe. It's like so, <laughs> it's so intense. I like. I love I, it. Honestly, that's I, like, I do that's good. too. That's good. I, I know. I like it too. It's. Uh, I like. It totally caught me off guard. Like the degree that they like just go all in on, on the, on the tone setting in this game. I, I, I really, I liked it. I just, it made me laugh at the same time. So I think it, uh, we probably can't go like beat by beat through We're already an hour into recording. We can't go beat by beat through anything here, but I do think it's worth talking about maybe some of the upgrades that we thought were particularly interesting. And then also maybe our favorite or least favorite bosses and other moments that really uh, stuck out. Um, any particular, uh, and the upgrades are mostly, uh, very based on the ones you may already be familiar from previous Metroid games, but any, anybody have any particular stuff that you liked getting in the well, game? I, I, I always love how many missiles you're capable of ultimately packing where like, <laughs> because you, know, you start I, off with 10, you start out with 10. Completely comical. <laughs> yeah, you're like, how far you'll get. I have 150 missiles in this pack right now. <laughs> you know, so you just have so many missiles, which I, I appreciate that. Um, and Laura already mentioned it. You start out with sort of regular jump and you see things around and you're like, I should be able to jump to that. I'm gonna be able to jump to that. And so relatively it's gonna be so cool. It's gonna when be great I when that. I can jump to that. Yeah. So you know, relatively early you 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 achieve the ability to jump to that. Um, <laughs> and then uh Samus get his gets equipped with <laughs> jump to that. Jump to that. <laughs> uh and could you 
in in the previous one? Could you hook on to the corner like you, you can? Know, I don't think I don't so. remember that. I don't yeah. think you can either. It caught me by surprise. So you can if you don't quite jump to that, you can uh <laughs> Technical terminology. Yeah, you That's can, what you come to this podcast for. Yeah, you, you can cling you, to that. You will cling to that, and you catch just the corner of that. the of that, and it's not. You it starts. You you start out with it, but like the platforming, which you know I love, it's like there's a lot of it that's built off of that, <laughs> clinging to that, and jumping to that, <laughs> and clinging to that. Uh, and I really, really liked that. I don't remember yeah. that from the previous <laughs> games, and and it felt good. Um, and then the inverse to your question, the water dragon boss is too fast. I'm not like everything is too clunky and too slow with Samus. When you've got this dragon thing that is like flying past you and going in and out of water and all you can hit is its little head with your missile or your charge up shot. And even though I've got too many missiles at this point, I still feel like I need to conserve them. That boss uh, drove me crazy, but um, I, I liked, you know, overall the equipment that Samus gets. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think my, um, I mean, I don't want to spend too long just dwelling on this point, but like my very least favorite thing about the Metroid series are the bosses. I think you know, even in Super Metroid, which I which I quite liked and liked a bit more than this. Uh, I think the boss design is always. They're like visually very cool. Sometimes they do some very cool set piece stuff with the bosses. There's some really very cool moments with bosses in this game. Um, But the design of the bosses, I think is pretty bad. Uh, Well, the the tone setting of them is good. And and the the water dragon boss that I talking about, it actually is kind of creepy at first because you're like, they're like, go to its tank and you go and it's like, Oh, it's, it looks like it's dead in there. And you're like, Oh Mm -hmm. shit. You know, and then you fight it later and you're like, no, it's a lot, you know, and it's like spooky as hell. It's a zombie now. But then when you're fighting, you're like, this sucks. <laughs> like, this isn't yeah, You're fun. like, do I just stay in the water and hope I don't die? That was yeah. my tactic. Um, I Although you do get speed boost after that and love a speed boost. Oh, yeah. Yes. Uh, the the design, though, like the, the big issue I have with Metroid bosses in general is that a lot of them are really designed around you just taking a lot of mandatory damage mm-hmm. um, and trying to just absolutely empty your missiles into a particular vulnerable spot of the boss while just sort of standing there taking damage and hoping that you have collected enough missiles that y- and have enough health that you can do enough damage before the boss kills you. Live footage of me before pretty much every boss fight, uh, because once I encounter the boss fight, I've, you know, revert to the previous save. I walk over to the nearest zombie and I shoot it, collect the health, shoot it, collect the health until I'm at full per- full what? missiles and full health. And then I go into the boss fight. Well, then I save and then I go into the boss yeah. fight because I always need full health for every boss I fight. I think the game mm-hmm. actually sets you up for that. I think it, in- it, it does. does. I think it intends for you to do that. There's often regenerating bad guys in rooms that it's like, right. Well, I'm just going to spend three, three minutes in here bouncing around, getting all my stuff back. 
And it's theoretically possible, like if you're playing through this game and you didn't pick up enough missiles or whatever, like it's theoretically still possible to beat these bosses. There are, if you look online, like no hit runs of all of these bosses, but it's unreasonable. And, you know, if if you were running out of missiles, for example, like you can usually sub charge shots and it's just going to be a lot slower or you can hit the boss with your regular weapon and it'll drop the little like uh, missile pickups so you can do those. But I never ended up doing that. Really, the, the only approach to bosses in these games that ever works for me is just stock up on everything, go and stand in the safest spot I can find and unload and hope that I can race them to death. Um, yeah, and it sucks. It kind of sucks. That said, like the there are some amazing bosses in this. I wanted to talk about like my two favorites. Um, mm-hmm. One is the uh, night. Both of these are like. The, the big sort of thing here is that, like, the bosses are all corrupted by the X, right? Oh so they all have these sort of, like, freaky designs. And the two that I really, really <laughs> Except love. Except for the security robot, who's just, like, restricted oh, area, uh, uh, which I'm, I think was terrible. I'm a refrigerator on its side. Please don't kill me. That thing sucks. It was a refrigerator. Uh, but, guy. like, Nightmare X is the first one that I think is just absolutely killer. There's the area that you go into where Nightmare X is, like, you pass through this area, Sector 5, I think, several times before you end up facing nightmare x um and uh at one point the uh the robot guy tells you that this thing has escaped and so you're you need to go in there and find it and kill it uh before it gets infected by the x because then it'll be way too dangerous because it's this like massive escaped creature right i don't actually know what it looked like before getting infected by the x but you do see it um as you pass through that area there's this like constant thing where these these areas where these like there's this gigantic shadow and this horrifying sound like scream by in the background and you don't know what it is yet and later when you realize oh that must have been the x it's like oh that's scary and then you you see it and it it's the most evangelian enemy thing in the game it just looks like it's got these like giant dangly robot arms and this like weird beam cannon for its chest and then its face is this like melting stitched mask that just looks really gross and and as you kill it it like gets more melty and it has i think really cool abilities like it has a a gravity thing where it will um it will like increase the gravity in the area you're around so your missiles when you try to shoot it with them will fall to the ground before they hit it really cool boss and yet it's still just sort of like a a mandatory damage bullet sponge thing it's not it's you know it's still not a great design i don't think any of these are but like i really love that thing and it made some really scary sounds and then the other one that i thought was really really great is neo ridley they brought i guess the corpse of ridley your longtime enemy I love that she has this like weird long-term rivalry with basically a giant dinosaur person. Like, yeah, <laughs> don't we all Ridley is also like, you know, like obviously like a Ridley Scott reference, but it just sounds like a dude's name. Right. It's one of yeah. the weird things about the, the Metroid series that I kind of like is like a lot of the weird creatures have just sort of like names for like, sound like just sound like guys, like the, <laughs> the weird, uh, the Here weird comes like Kevin. Um, yeah. The mantis <laughs> creatures that you'd expect them to be called like, you know freak mantises or something like that they're they're called space pirates the weird like horrifying mantis guys are all just space pirates space pirates just look like that right but anyway 
the Neo Ridley, like you see the classic Ridley design sort of like frozen and you come in there and then its eyes begin to glow and then its skin starts flaking off and out of it comes this like absolutely, all I can say is fucked up looking version of Ridley that he's been turned into this like giant tooth and claw weird drag. I mean, he's already dragon thing, but like, I don't know. Take my word for it. He looks fucked up. It's like if I'm looking at a picture and it's as if his arms got moved to where his knees were. Yeah, yeah. It's and very strange. Stroosh. And all I can say is like it's it is obvious spooky. that it's it's so <laughs> obvious that between that you know the uh, the uh, soup the Super Metroid game and this they saw Evangelion right like all of the real fucked up designs are like straight up remind me of like goopy anime enemies. And uh, the thing that really sells it is the the GBA has terrible sound hardware, but they figured out how to make it make an absolutely horrifying scream. And it makes it constantly throughout this fight. It's very unsettling. So I, I really, really liked those bosses, even though uh, it's ugh, it's it's not a good boss fight, again, design-wise, but like very effective from a kind of perspective. I'm looking at a guide on Metroid.RetroPixel.net because I, I did not get this far. And it, it says, each time Ridley shrieks, it'll become weaker. If you're playing the game on a Game Boy, just don't have the volume up too high. The shrieking coming from this monster can become very annoying. <laughs> so the fact that the guide on how to beat this boss told you to turn the volume down speaks volumes, pun intended. Mm-hmm. Hey. Hey. So, yeah. And then, um, you know, I, we probably aren't spoiling anything by saying, like, the one of the final bosses of the game is fighting SAX, which really feels great, like a payoff towards the end when you've been, you know, running scared from this thing throughout the entire game. It is an unreasonably difficult boss fight. It is you, but with all of your abilities turned up to 11. And um, if it gets a bead on you, it can kill you in a handful of hits with its missiles. So you mostly just have to sort of avoid it and get pot shots in where you can. Um, But like overall, bosses in this, absolutely visually great. Sound is good too. Design, don't love it. Designed from a gameplay, mechanics. like a mechanic standpoint. Exactly. The design, I think, as we normally think. The visual design is excellent. Like visual, sound, uh, aesthetic, uh, and like the um, thought process behind their movesets is all very good. It's just... I even don't mind their patterns. I think yeah. it's just the... It's just not super fun. The balance you know? feels mm-hmm. off to yeah. me. It, it also just sort of feels like, you know, fighting in a closet. This is partly just the way that the GBA kind of restricts things. Like every single one of these feels like it's just too large of a sprite in too cramped of a room. And their their whole moveset is usually just about like advancing on you until there's no safe place to stand and you take a bunch of damage or, you know, fall down into a pit of acid or something. Um, it, you know, it uh, there is definitely ways to play these safely and to, you know, do... But like even watching like no hit runs of these, it's not elegant. You know, sometimes you watch like a really good video of somebody really, really kicking ass at a boss fight. And you can you can clearly see that they have like a clear strategy and they're executing on it flawlessly. And it's it's awesome. Right. And this 
the like no hit runs look like they're look like it must have taken a zillion tries and been at least half chance because there's all sorts of like random flaily jumps and stuff in them when you watch somebody do them um and it's you know it, it's not reasonable <laughs> it's just not <laughs> these these bosses suck <laughs> okay sorry i'll stop talking about how much i hate the bosses or i don't by the way i love the bosses i also hate i hate fighting them i, it, I like yeah it's it's both it, they are they're cool aesthetically and for all the different ways you mean that. And then they just kind of suck to play, you know? So it, it is what it is. Yeah. Um, but also, you know, there's a usually apart from the, apart from the spider boss, there's usually a save point very nearby. Right. That you can roll. Or of course you can save state if you, if you're playing on an emulator, which why wouldn't you be? And, um, uh, you know, you, you're usually powered up pretty high. And if you're really stuck, you can always go spend some time going and finding some extra energy tanks or some extra missiles and give yourself an extra 15 to 30 seconds. And, you know, if you get enough of yeah. those, then you can just stand there, take damage, empty your missile tank and win. Yeah. Um, so well, and it is doable. You know, I, I I don't think this game thinks of itself as a boss fight game. You know, it's a it has boss fights because... It has to, and mm-hmm. it, it would be weird without these like escalated difficulty. Because for the most yeah, part, like traversal isn't super hard, and exploration is frustrating at times. At least from my, you know, my perspective, having never played these before. But like, you're not really challenged from a mechanic standpoint until you get to the bosses so so they 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 need to be there and they're accomplishing something it's just it's like Mm -hmm. for the most part up looking and cool yeah it's like for the most part the game is not really hard you know and then you get to these bosses and you're like well this is hard in a way that i don't really want it to be hard you know you want it to be like i'm getting better i'm getting better and it definitely feels like to a degree, like you, beating the bosses is a combo of luck and like figuring out where's the best place for me to stand, you know, which yeah. is, which isn't like that fun, you know, but it, but when you beat them, you're like, hell yeah, I'm glad that's done. And then you're going to go, <laughs> you know, and then you move yeah. on with and your then life, you move right? on, yeah. you know, and, and none of them that they, they are bullet sponges to a degree, but like when you finally beat the boss, most of them are only a couple minutes. You know, so yeah. it's not like these are like long range, long term fights that when you fail, you know, it's like, oh, that's going to be another 20 minutes of my life. You know, it's like you can kind of just run at him over and over and over. And the time matters if you want to see our lead character in a two piece at the end. <laughs> do they do that in this one too? I know that yes. was the thing. So, in, really? So for people oh. not understanding the the, the <laughs> angry reference I'm making, um, uh, in this game, if you beat in over f- between two and four hours or four over, uh, she's wearing her armor, but depending on the timing, her helmet's on or off. And if you beat it in under two hours, she's in a little like two piece blue outfit and she's posing with her like hair flown in the wind, looking sexy. She's not in a bikini though, so upgrade. Yeah, she's only in a bikini every time you die. I she mean, is in a bikini every single time you die. It's not exactly a bikini, but it basically is. You know, every single time you die, it's like 
and she falls back and all her armor flies off and you see her you know in, I, in I, I can only clothing. get I, I'm only mad because Nintendo has since this game was released been like we've had a female protagonist for years <laughs> you're like yeah she's a bikini every time you die you know, Come on, I, guys. I, it is it is a little bit of a groan, but I also have to say, like, I, it's hard for me to really be mad at these games in that area. Like, there's there's a lot worse out there. Um, these there is a lot to say for I Samus just, as a as it a character. was 2002. It's true. Yeah. So I I thought they would be over it. That's that's all. I that's, yeah. yeah. That's true. And I didn't know that that I knew about that that is a thing. Like it, it the thing about it that feels gross to me is that it's like a reward for playing well. Is like <laughs> getting this incredibly like mediocre ten pixel like midriff or whatever. These are not the like they're not pinups. She's she is wearing basically a sports bra and a right. short skirt. It's not, this could be so much worse, but yeah. I, I still have to tease because uh, we are the short game hey, and we admire it short game It could be worse. We'll <laughs> take it. We'll take it. Yeah, it's a weird, I, I'm not educated enough on the on on any of it to have a comment, but it is a weird feeling. It's, it's, the, <laughs> the weird feeling to me is, oh, they consciously took the note and still did it. That, yeah. That's yeah. mostly what I was clocking. Yeah, I don't yeah. actually know what the discourse about that would have been around 2002, but I feel like it certainly had to have at least I'm, been raised. But I don't know, maybe a bunch of Japanese game devs who've been working on these games since the 80s were just like, I don't care. I like nah, sticking that in. It was probably still met with like, you know, hook em horns and everyone's like, hell yeah, brother, you know, because yeah. that's... Or whatever the like Japanese salaryman equivalent of that is. <laughs> Uh, so definitely hook them horns. So I, uh, I don't know how much else there is to say about this game. Uh, you know, there's obviously there's like, there's a lot more to it that we could get into if we wanted to get into like the weeds in terms of like progression and, you know, exactly how you get from place to place. But like, there's, there's other, there's lots of three hour, uh, YouTube documentaries that'll take you through all of that stuff. Um, my overall thing would be like, do we feel like this is a game that holds up today? And is it a place where folks should start for the Metroid series? Or like, how do you, how do we feel about this in terms of like the short game and its audience and people who might be wanting to just check out some Metroid games today before Metroid dread comes out? I would recommend playing it. I I mean, I, I, I'm, I think I'm always like the least experienced in this, front on this show um oh i probably am but i don't know we I can mean, fight we can we'll, both of us have no idea what we're yeah. talking about we'll, we'll i mean we'll, all three of us this was our first time through this game i i've owned it for many years and i've started it many times but i've never gotten past like i don't know the second zone yeah. before now so mm-hmm. just like almost every game from like this was right in this period of my life when i was not playing a lot of games and like and i didn't have any of this hardware and i didn't play anything like this so um, I was mostly playing like Civ One or Civ mm-hmm. Two, and like Age of Empires One, and like all of these computer games. And so, nerd, was, yeah. none of them short. And EverQuest, you know. <laughs> and so, like, I was so removed from this sort of thing. So, um, so you know, outside of this and Metroid, which I, I wasn't even on the episode, uh, or Super Metroid wasn't even on the episode, but I played it for the for the show and just scheduling. But, um. It's like the first two Metroid games I've ever played. And I, I think that I actually enjoyed this one more than I enjoyed Super Metroid, which is maybe controversial as I understand it. But I, I enjoyed this game. I mean, 
I will say I had a a pretty quick trigger on looking where to go uh, mm-hmm. online, and I don't like normally when I play games, I'm pretty averse to that. I like to ram my head against stuff. I like to try to figure it out. I like to try to um get you know get good. Um, like hard games is one of my is a thing that I enjoy. I really like difficult games and getting better at them, but I didn't like this version of what was difficult, which was just like, we're going to make your forward progression incredibly obscure. And it's just like up to you to find it. So it kind of very quickly was like, I don't care about uh, like figuring this out. I will, mm-hmm. I will spin. I'm not going to just do a walkthrough and have my hand held through the whole thing. But after I spend a few apart minutes, from by your CEO, the computer, <laughs> yeah, of right. Course. That I that I need. I need someone just yeah negging me the whole time. Um, so like, it, so I was pretty quick to like. All right, I've been in this little chamber. I've nowhere where no idea where to go. It's pretty quick to look up a guide, and I think that increased my enjoyment of the game. So I'd say like. If you have not played a lot of these games or you also think that that would be annoying, just get a little there's a there's a billion walkthroughs of this game online. Yeah. I I you will know. say this game I I would also feel like it might be a better intro because I think it's way shorter because I didn't get lost all the time and mm-hmm. I had yeah. I got lost quite a lot in uh, Super Metroid, and I ended up backtracking unnecessarily a lot. Uh, I yeah. played it. I didn't play it in one or two sessions. I played it over the course of a week, and I had a lot of stuff going on. So I had a very hard time remembering where things were that I was supposed to go back to. So I was playing it in a compact time period. I just had a goldfish memory and did not remember, you know, what happened four days previous. And I think this game, although we're making fun of the computer, I always knew where I needed to go next. And if I nice. didn't remember, like if I stopped playing for two days uh, because I was watching the Olympics instead of preparing for this podcast, I would, mm-hmm. I could just open it up, go to the nearest navigation room, and they would repeat exactly where I was supposed to go. I wish every game had a, you haven't played for a while. Do you remember what you're doing? Yeah. It's nice. As annoying as it is, super nice when you take a a break when something happens. Make it a choice. If you have a choice, it's great to have that. Yeah. Yeah, I could could wish for a game that would keep the... you know the the slight talk, slightly talkative navigation room guy who tells you what you might want to do next, but On also demand. has a little bit more of an open structure like Super Metroid did. You know, mm-hmm. like tell me where I could go next, but maybe leave more options open to me. This one does sort of keep things a, a significantly more linear than Super Metroid. But all in all, I I agree. Like this, you know, I I I do think I ultimately enjoyed Super Metroid a little more. Um, but this game is, you know, it's definitely at least in the same ballpark for me. I don't, I, I, I know that a lot of folks think that this game is like, oh, this ruined the series by taking away the open exploration. But it's like, it's not that 
it didn't, it didn't go back and take it out of Super Metroid. This is just a different approach. Um, <laughs> well, that's I know, a it bigger, probably, it probably that's a felt, bigger problem. <laughs> it probably felt different if you this was your first Metroid game in eight years, and maybe you'd been dying for them to make another Metroid, and then it wasn't exactly what you want. But yeah. this is a pretty good game, and if it's your first Metroid, um, maybe some of the weird references to events that happened before that are kind of cryptic aside uh this is i think a pretty good on point like it does explain to you a little more than other games do what are the metroids and what is samus's role in the world around her and the fact that you know it does lead you a little bit more is a kind of like it, it is definitely more like uh, uh you know quality of life or you know you know user friendly than any of the other games that I have tried, I have not played any of the 3D Metroids, so I can't compare them there, but uh, the GameCube ones. But uh, I'd say like if you're starting today and you want some you want to see if you're into Metroid as a thing um, without necessarily like, you know, going really hard on Super Metroid. This is a quicker, you know, more directed, faster version of perfect of for the short game. And with yeah. fewer variables because it's linear. So you were trying to see if you like the combat, the look, the feel. I, I think it's it, it's um if you like this, you will also really like Super Metroid. And yeah. I, I think and there's no really reason to to not play them out of order. It's not like right. the, they do have like a connective tissue between them, but it's it's not important to play these in order at all. Yeah, don't so, worry. Yeah. Samus does not die at the end of uh, Super Metroid. <laughs> Spoiler: She lives to Metroid Four. Oh, good. Good to know. And possibly beyond. But do, mm. does she live to the into to Metroid Dread? We'll see at the end Uh-oh. of Metroid Fusion. Uh, so I, I would recommend folks check this game out. And uh, usually this is where I tell you where and how you can play the game. But we covered that up at the top. So uh, go and download yourself a ROM. Uh, so maybe now would be a good time for us to talk about what's making us happy this week. Um, Laura, what's making you happy this week? So I purchased a few things several weeks ago that are finally arriving due to various shipping question mark issues. Uh, and uh, uh, boxes guess- being delivered to me might as well be my what's making my ha- me happy this week. Like every week of the last year. Capitalism. It's a Dopamine, thing. Dopamine, uh, baby. What? <laughs> I, I have two specific little things. Um, one is uh, the pilot preppy fountain pen. It is a $4.50 fountain pen. Oh, and it love a has pen. a it's a beautiful tip if you are trying to get to fountain pens um it's very good and the next like they're like uh, the under ten dollar option is the pilot preppy and the under fifty dollar version <laughs> and so, so like literally fountain pens the sky is the limits so the fact that i like a 450 pen and i have one in purple and one in blue and i i got a refill um and it came with, I just needed more cartridges and they gave me another pen. So now I have to find an in-person friend to give this other pen to. So mm-hmm. um, that, and the other thing is there's a store in Houston actually called Super Yaki. Uh, and uh, that's Super Y-A-K-I. And I have been a huge fan of the really obscure movie and TV shirts where it's like the brand. It's not the show, but it's the brand someone once referenced on the show. <laughs> like, like I have a, um, a shirt from the diner from blues brothers. Um, those companies though, almost always have like male centered movies and they almost always only offer male sizing shirts, which I dislike. Mm. Super Yaki stuff is that, but 
basically female directors or shows and movies ladies like. So they're currently uh, did a Rocketeer Paddington two job they've done, and they had <laughs> Josie and the Pussycats. Paddington two is a great movie. Yes, so I have. A I know it's a free- meme, but it's also true. It is, and I so now I have a shirt that says "For your consideration, Hugh Grant as you know in Paddington Two for Best Actor," and I have a, a button that says "Free Paddington." That's from the movie. Nice. I also have a sticker from DuJour, the boy band, and Josie and the Pussycats. Nice. And had I logged on sooner to the drop, I would have a DuJour Around the World tour shirt. Um, <laughs> but it's just nonsense, and it's great. It's happy. They have a bunch of, like, they have some silly stuff like it's the Catherine Hahn. It was Catherine Hahn all along is a shirt they have now. So it's like sometimes your mileage may vary. Sometimes you like the referential shirt. Sometimes you like the deep cut. Um, I am very sad that I did not get the Knuckles Sandwich Shop shirt, but I'm on the wait list Um, because (laughs) that's the shop that Knuckles – um, in Paddington 2 opens at the end. So yeah. I, I really just want the Knuckles Sandwich Shop shirt. Instead, I bought a button. Um, so super yucky stuff. Uh, little weird shop that is just outfitting a lot of weird girls, and I'm here <laughs> for it. <laughs> that's awesome. That's really cool. That's great. I've never heard of this, even though it's in town. It's so. in Houston. So yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Uh, I, mine is pretty quick, but I, this weekend, um, uh, well, earlier at the end of last Here it week, is, I saw section two of Reagan's rarities and retro roundup. Uh, play, play the theme song. Um, <laughs> the uh, uh, just at the end of last week, I saw a tweet that was like emergency retro uh, computing emergency. people. Uh, there was a uh, a final sale. There is uh, so the, different definitions of the word emergency. <laughs> well, in a sense, it was. There's a there's a. Um, uh, apparently in the around 2012 to 2015 there was some collector or group of collectors who were trying to start a a computer museum in Houston and had a huge collection of retro tech just old computers tons and tons of old monitors and computers and things like that IBM stuff from the ancient days you know uh Macs from the 90s um uh, game console stuff and apparently they lost their space a couple of times and things never really open you know, never actually opened as a museum things petered yeah. out and um the sort of dregs of their collection uh ended up getting uh sold to somebody they were sort of in a big uh warehouse and anyway long and short of it was they were i guess closing that warehouse and needed to sell everything in it immediately over the weekend or it was going in the trash um, and so the entire retro gaming scene of Houston and anybody who could drive in from around uh, drove to this warehouse to pour through just it was absolutely ridiculously hot in there. I almost passed out, <laughs> um, but like pu- uh, pulling through just absolutely massive piles of old tech um, and, you know, pulling stuff out and, and buying it for reasonable prices. Not that great, I think, because I was there on the very first day. The guy who was running this whole show was still trying to, like, uh, you know, get, I wouldn't exactly say top dollar, but, like, you know, he's trying to get real money for these things and kind of knew what he had. Um, I was uh, a little bit bummed that I didn't get out of there with a better price, but I didn't didn't get ripped off either um, and ended up taking it's a home. Weird, it's a difficult <laughs> bargaining point when you know all of it's being thrown away in, like, three days. Right? It's like, right? dude, I'm like, just going to find what dumpster you use 
Yeah. All right. <laughs> so you could either sell this to me or I'm just going to hang out back and I'm going to get all of this in like two days. I, I mean, for me, like I was, I was buying some CRTs from the guy and it's like, dude, I know that you have to pay to recycle these and it's not cheap. I'm paying you more than you would have had to pay like no, rather I'm paying like I so I got a, I got a, a couple computers I got a, an old uh, Mac SE that I'm that needs some everything is a project everything needs a little bit of repair it's been sitting in a disgusting warehouse for ages but I got a a Mac SE that needs some repair a Mac LC two that needs some repair but is in slightly better shape um, I got a nice uh, around like two thousands era like. Uh, uh, Samsung CRT monitor, and then some other assorted stuff, keyboards and mice. And uh, I got a nice uh, multi-tap for the SNES. And I forget what all else, a few other odds and ends. Um, but like some of the stuff, like the the monitor, I'm like, I paid the guy. Uh, it, I am I am sure that he would have paid more to recycle the monitor than I paid him. Uh, but he was still trying to like, you know, ask me for like, dude, I'm doing you a favor taking this thing away. It would have cost him like, 50 bucks just to recycle the thing. I'm, I'm certain of it. And it's illegal to dump these things. So like, you know, he would have had to anyway, and he had way, way more of them. He had a whole wall <laughs> full of these things. I'm like, dude, you're, you're going to go bankrupt. Just, uh, just recycling these. If I take them away from you here, I am doing you a favor. But anyway, it was still a decent deal. Um, and, uh, now I've got some projects to do. So I'm cleaning up the, the, I've, I've ordered a bunch of capacitors to redo all the caps in the uh in the nice. max uh se first and then kind of maybe working on some other stuff too having a lot of fun with it <laughs> just imagining you pulling up and jamie being like oh. <laughs> just, <laughs> just a deep sigh as you pull up and <laughs> she in your... <laughs> she knew what she was signing up for <laughs> that's fair that's fair uh so i uh my thing um molly and i beat overcooked two over the last week and a half and we did overcooked one for the show i thought maybe overcooked two would be good for the show and i think the reality is you could just go and listen to the overcooked one episode Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's the same game there's a couple wrinkles that are new um, but for the most part it's like the exact same game and that's great. I loved the first one. And we had a great time with the second one. Uh, it's mayhem. And it kind of messes with your brain for a couple days after playing it. Like, you know, you when you play a game and it like, it's like after I played Papers, Please, you know, I'm like every little like hand action I do. I'm like thinking about the efficiency of how I'm moving my hands. Mm-hmm. Well, after doing overcooked for a couple days straight you're like every time i'm cooking i'm thinking about exactly where i'm setting everything and the order in which i'm bringing things together and like you know it it, it's it messes with you in a way but uh it's a fun game i you know i was thinking about it it's like the purest or the most true expression of like a co-op game yeah most co-op games is just two people playing one game that like it doesn't really matter if you have two people they've just scaled up like a one player game into a two player game but this is like requires actual cooperation and communication constantly in order to be effective and when it's working is when you are cooperating the best 
and it's just a ton of fun. It's silly. It's hard. We we set the goal that we were going to three star every single level. Oh, and we did that. Wow. Um, now, we did not do that. We played Overcooked One. <laughs> um, we didn't. There's like like random unlocks that like you have to accomplish secret goals in order to unlock those things. We didn't really bother with like looking up the secret goals. Um, so outside of that, outside of some secret levels that we did not unlock, we got three stars on every single level. And uh, it was fun. It was a lot of fun. I love that game. And that's awesome. They could make an overcooked three and it could be, the exact same thing, just more insanity. They don't even have to add new mechanics. I will take just new recipes and slightly different kitchen layouts. Slightly different yeah. kitchen layouts, <laughs> and and they know that too because all of these games have like four DLC packs where it's exactly that. It's just like, oh, here's you're doing ice cream and there's penguins, you know, and it's like, all right, I'll do ice cream with penguins. I don't care, you know. This is great. Uh, so. I, I hope that they just make them forever because I, I, I will awesome. play them. That's it's fun. A lot of fun. Yeah, those things are really fun. Um, yeah. So, listeners, thank you for joining us on this episode of The Short Game. Uh, you can find our show on the internet at www.theshortgame.net, uh, where you'll find all the links to all of our stuff. You can find uh, us all, obviously, all the podcast platforms. You can find our contact form there. You can find a link to our Patreon or at patreon.com slash theshortgame. And that is the best way to support the show. We appreciate every one of our patrons. All of our patrons get access to our Discord, where we chat about the games that we're playing. We make plans for the show. Uh, We talk about other interesting or fun stuff. It's where people dunk on me mostly. Um, So please join us there. And uh, I will also mention, just while we're talking about the Patreon, that as you're listening to this, uh, well, first of all, I mentioned earlier at the top of the show that we're now doing early release episodes for patrons. Uh, so if that's something that would you'd enjoy, if you want a little bit of early access, uh, please do uh, support the Patreon. That's that's open for all of our patrons. Uh, we also now have uh, short game stickers. Now, I know this is not like an earth shattering benefit, but I was very excited about it. I've always wanted to do some merch and stickers are definitely the lowest hanging fruit for and us. So it was cute. easy to do. They are cute. So we've got stickers of the show art and also little stickers of just the little show uh, logo, the little clock controller. Um, and so if you are a patron already at the time of the release of this episode, uh, we've got some stickers for you. You just check the Patreon page and there's a form you can fill out to give us your address so we can send you some stickers. And if you're not a patron already, uh, going forward, basically starting August, any new patrons coming in at the $5 level uh, or patrons upgrading who haven't already uh, will receive some stickers. Uh, we always appreciate our $1 patrons, but I just wanted to, you know, if folks want to uh, come in at the $5 level or uh or something like that you know we'll we'll mail you some stickers so check us out at patreon.com slash the short game the stickers are very cute uh i've got them all over my switch now you can also find us on twitter at underscore short game or you can find me on twitter that's at reagan k that's r-a-y-g-a-n-k and laura where can people find you you can find me on twitter at laura j nash and nate where can people find you you can find me on Twitter at NateSTL. And if you subscribe to the double secret bonus level of our Patreon, Reagan will send you his short game branded switch. So 
uh, <laughs> just just uh, DM him directly to understand what that price point is. Yeah, you really got to come in at a. Uh, the I'd price say point $10 is the price a of a new Switch. <laughs> yes. Uh, if you buy me an OLED Switch, I will. I will. He'll put big red lipstick on and kiss it though before he sends it. So <laughs> weird. Uh, that's thank bad. You, that's not. Listeners. Let's not offer that. No, I'm going to take that off the table. It's not. He will we're send not it list normally. The, yeah. Thank you, listeners, for joining us on this episode of the Short Game. You can't pimp out Reagan. <laughs> 